You're listening to Quit, a podcast about change that challenges you improving your career, making tough decisions, starting something awesome, and maybe kicking your corporate stooge job to the curb in the process. It's episode number 107. Lucky seven, Hattie. Lucky, Lucky number 107. Seven. My name is Dan Benjamin. I'm joined today by Hattie Cook here at the uh, corporate offices of 5x5 five five in Austin, Texas. The 5x5 five five campus. Yeah. <laughs> I got an email that I read in uh, in the bonus bonus material for Roadwork, which is the oh, show yes. that I do uh, with our friend John Roderick. And I won't, you know, I feel like there's some people who listen to both shows, but I'm not sure uh, the percentage of people who listen to both this show and that show and are Patreon supporters. Yeah, I'd be curious to know that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but... In the off chance that there are still a handful of people who haven't heard the bonus material yet, considering I haven't released it, <laughs> therefore I'm, uh, I don't think many have. Heard I want to. I want to read. I want to read uh, a little bit of this email, and this is there's there are a lot of issues that we can kind of tease apart and pull out of this, and I think it's interesting because you know for those who don't know, podcasting is how we make a living it's how uh how i pay my salary and hattie's salary and how we pay rent on our tiny little office and how i feed back and how you feed your cat <laughs> so part of that uh part of that comes from most of it comes from advertising most of the money that we make comes from advertising and we have three great sponsors on this show thank you hattie of course and hattie's full-time job when she's not on the air with me is getting those sponsors and, and everything for this show and all the other shows that we do and all the other hosts and keeping everything coordinated and writing the copy and all that good stuff. But we also have, Hattie, as you know, a few shows that are listener-supported. Yes. And some of them are exclusively listener-supported, though not many. Uh, but like patreon.com slash Benjamin, you can go there and see how many people are supporting the overall work that we do here. And that's wonderful, and we, we need that help. Podcasting isn't what it used to be. Podcasting used to be much more lucrative three, four years ago. Now, just comparing 2017 uh, to you know, mid, you know April 2017 to April 2016, I'd say we're making half what we were making. Yeah, I think so. And it's not because we have fewer sponsors. It's because the industry has really changed. Yeah. And sponsors are... Uh, there, there are lots and lots of podcasts, some good, some not good that sponsors are trying out and we're doing all right, but it, we're at that situation now where the listener support matters more than ever. And I think it's interesting because it's, it doesn't really seem to be, you know, if you've got a hundred thousand dollar show or a $20,000 show, you're kind of in the same boat unless you're getting millions of downloads. That's right. You have to be in the millions of downloads to make any real money in podcasting. Right. Like if you want to make it big in podcasting, you have to make it so big that it's it, you've surpassed literally everyone else. That's right. That's a good way to say it. And there <laughs> you, are shows You can that, still make it big and you can still make a, an amazing living if you're one of those podcasts. <laughs> right. Otherwise, you have to work really hard and you yeah. have to do a lot of shows and you have to spend a lot of time selling and listener support is really helpful. Now, I'm not asking you guys for listener support. I mean, no. if you want to support the shows, that would be great. 
I, I said the URL to go to, of course, that, that helps. But what I'm talking about specifically is road work, where John and I, John brings a lot of really engaged, invested listeners uh, because they, they love John and they love his music and he's an inspiration as a person. And on that show, we've been trying to transition to a listener-supported it makes more sense for that show. Yeah, for that show it does because it's kind of like... It's not like y'all are talking about Ruby on Rails. Like it's not something sponsors can be like, we're going to target your audience. Right, it's, it's kind like of John telling stories John from his life. John fans and Dan fans. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, I think it's possible that that show could eventually grow. And I often say, I mean, that show has 20,000 plus listeners. If every listener gave a dollar a month, John and I would be in great shape. Yeah, that could be our main thing, that show. But there's no way we'll get a dollar from every listener. No. There's no way we'll get a dollar from half the listeners. There's no way we'll get a dollar from a third or quarter of the listeners. And that's okay. But here, here's a, an email that we got. Now, I want to read this email, uh, or part of it, from listener Mark to the Roadwork show. Not, I doubt he's ever even heard of this show. Yeah, I doubt it. He says, I've deleted Roadwork from my podcast app because I'm not keen on the direction you've been taking it in recently. As for my, asking for money on a podcast that's already ad-supported doesn't sit well. Now, I'm going to break this all apart, but I'll, I'll keep reading for now. Especially with 5x5 being the success that it is, and I'm sure your sponsorships are not cheap. Now you've gone even further and started making some of the content exclusive only to paying subscribers. And then he criticizes uh, one of our, the, the sponsor, the one sponsor that we had on the show as excruciatingly long rambling and rambling. And it was a pain to skip through. I like that somebody's complaining about sponsorships on that show. It was a pain <laughs> for him to skip through. We didn't make it easy enough for him to skip through. So hold ah. on. And, and I, will, I will tie this into a lesson that is valuable for every business from freelance web design all the way up to multi, uh, multinational corporations. And everything in between. I'll get there. So we explained on the show that we're trying to transition to a listener-supported show. But it people don't seem to realize that podcasting costs money. Any business costs money. If you have a lemonade stand, it costs money. Even if the lemons are growing on your trees that you already have, and you already have the stand, and you already had the pitcher, and you already had the ice, and you didn't have to spend any money to open your lemonade stand, it still costs you money to run it. The reason it costs you money is you're exerting effort and you're spending time. And those things have a value. Ask somebody in their teens how much, uh, how much value their time has, and they'll say, oh, not that much. Ask somebody in their 20s or 30s, and I'll say, that's kind of valuable. Ask somebody in their 50s, it's very valuable. Your time and the value associated with that time increases in value every single day until eventually it's the most precious thing and you're out of it. Sorry if that's bleak. So for your lemonade stand to run that stand... If you're running the stand, you're not doing something else. And maybe that other thing would either bring you money or enjoyment. You're making a sacrifice to either not earn money somewhere else or not enjoy yourself by doing something else. You might enjoy running the lemonade stand. I acknowledge that. 
But you understand, Hattie, I think my point, which is by doing one thing, you're not doing something else. Right. So if John and I are recording an episode and we're hoping for listener support when we do that episode, then we're not doing something else that might make us money or might get listener support or whatever in some other way. So it does cost money. I mean, not to mention the fact that there's hosting and bandwidth and editing and all these other costs associated with doing a podcast. It's not free. And no business is. You know, if you go and drive to lunch, that costs money. It costs money to drive to lunch. There's wear and tear on your car. There's gas. All of those things cost money. Everything you do really costs some kind of money. So he's upset that we're asking for money on a podcast that's already ad-supported. That doesn't sit well with him. Even though we've explained that we have to transition, you can't just flip a switch and say, we are no longer going to take any more ads. Come and support us. You can't do right. that. That's not possible. You, you work <laughs> because, because both John and I are taking time away from things that might make us money or might do something else for us. You can't have a point in time where you're not making money. So there has to be a point where you're overlapping in the forms of money coming in. Right. If all of a sudden we had 5,000 people giving us a dollar a month, we would we would be able to say, guess what? We've crossed that threshold right. where we don't need ads. Anymore. No more sponsors. We're and not I'd there say, yet. Okay. And I take you off the rate card. <laughs> right, we're not there yet. So we explained that, but he didn't, I guess that wasn't a good enough explanation for him. Then he says, especially with 5x5 being the success that it is, and I'm sure your sponsorships are not cheap. Well, well my, my question for Mark and what John suggested I ask him is, uh, you know, we have to set a, a comparison. We have to ask Mark what he makes in a year. Right. What does cheap mean to him? What is his salary? I can guarantee you that uh, with the exception of if, unless he's in high school and he's got a part-time job and he's working five, 10 hours a week, I guarantee you road work makes less than he does. Oh yeah. And, and that's for two people. And that's for two people <laughs> and hosting and editing, etc. Right. And, you know, so I don't know, I don't, I, I don't know what he thinks, but the, and, and so I'm, I'm almost to the universal point here. He says, now you've gone even further and started making some of the content exclusive only to paying subscribers. We're not making some of the content exclusive. We're creating new content right. that we never shared at all and right. releasing that just for people who are supporting. We're not taking something away. That used to be free. That used to be free and now charging for it. And that's a principle that anytime a business or a company does something like that, something that used to be free and now costs money, that you will never have happy customers with that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, it's interesting to me also because Mark isn't paying anything and has never paid anything I know. for the podcast and probably for any podcast. Yeah. Cause it doesn't sound like he's the type of person that understands that at all. No, <laughs> it's clear to me. He, he seems very entitled that and upset. Um, you know, and, and not only was it, it wasn't enough for him to just say, you know what? I'm not going to listen anymore. I don't like this. But he had to write, he had in to write in and tell you, but that it's also, I look at something like this as an opportunity and, and there's, and this is what the bigger lesson is. He wants me to write him back. Right. He wants to be acknowledged. Right. But, but the point is anytime that somebody writes to you 
or emails you or contacts you about your services or something. It's an opportunity at the very least for you to learn from it, but maybe more, maybe to make a customer. I've had people write in and and ask questions or say things that were relatively negative about a show or something like that. And I would reply and I would write back to them and I would say, here's an answer to your question instead of just saying jerk and hitting delete. Right. I would write them back and engage them and say, well, here's, here's why I'm doing this. What do you think about it? Am, am, I, uh, am I doing it wrong? And I've actually had people reply to me and say, wow, I never in a million years thought that you were going to answer me. Thank you for taking the time to answer me. Um, and, and what essentially I did was convert them from what seemed like a, a hater to a super fan. I think people just need a little bit of loving. You know, <laughs> sometimes they do. Sometimes they want acknowledgement. Sometimes they just want their voice to be heard. And that that's a, I you have to look at every kind of thing like that as as any, whether it's a criticism or whatever, as an opportunity, as an opportunity to learn. Maybe there's no decent response to him. There's nothing that will make him happy. The reality is. You know, of course, I'd rather him listen to the show. Um, but whether he as an individual single person or, uh, listens or doesn't listen, doesn't really matter. If hundreds or thousands of people were emailing about this, then it would be a bigger deal because that would represent a much larger chunk of our customer base. Right. Think of them as listeners are customers for us. Uh, but I think there's something to be said for engaging with and responding to your customers. Also responding to them in an appropriate way that's not fueled with like don't let them get to you and respond in a logical way and i right. think i think a lot of people respond very well to that yeah i mean there was you know we we recently went to uh <clears throat> excuse me we recently went to get uh new tires after lunch and I, I convinced you to go with me yes to get the tires and uh we went to go get the tires and you know what? Used it as an opportunity to have a, a business meeting, uh, sitting in the tire waiting room. Yes. And when we got there, the guy came out. Name was Sid, and he got got us in and out of there fast. We weren't even oh, in there aunt, fifteen that, minutes. Yeah, I was going to say that was like under fifteen. I was prepared for like a good forty-five. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, yeah, we timed it well. We went at, at sort of the late lunchtime. But who wants, first of all, who wants to get tires? Nobody wants to get tires. Nobody wants to spend money. I'm, I'm a little, and I, I know it's an irrational feeling, but I'm a little resentful that I had to spend money on tires. I feel like tires should last so forever. they're so expensive. They're so expensive. You don't really see them. You don't really think about them. You just want them to be there. You don't want to ever think about tires like who wants to think about tires unless you're a tire engineer or something you just want the tires to be there you want them to work and be safe and then all of a sudden like what do you mean that two hundred dollars a tire right you're like i never wanted to think about tires now i did spend two hundred dollars a tire because i get the good the good tires because i'm driving around with with my whole family in there all the time and it rains here and gotta have good stopping you know like i worry about that kind of thing I would rather spend money on good tires and be able to get good stopping distance and drive safely in the rain and everything else with the little kids in there. Fine. Maybe I'm dumb for buying Michelins. Maybe I should buy, you know, Continentals or whatever, but I'm, I'm do, I don't care. 
It's once every four or five years or whatever it's Your supposed to last. Your safety is worth the price. But I don't want to go there. I don't want to spend money. I don't want to do any of that stuff. So you go in there and you know what? They know that. They know that that's not the place that you want to be, you know, on Wednesday or whatever. They know that you have a life and that they want to get you in and out of there. And, and they did it and they did a great job. I was in and out of there. Done. 15 minutes to get tires. I thought it was pretty incredible. And so today they sent me a little survey. And you know what? Instead of deleting it, like I almost always delete, <laughs> I took the survey. Because you were actually very pleasantly surprised and you had a very good time. Isn't that what you want your customers to do? Isn't that, think about how hard it is to get your customers or to get a person to step outside of their norm, to step outside of something they would usually do, outside of their comfort zone, and do something like take a survey. I mean, it seems almost impossible, the idea that you could get somebody to, to do something like that. And yet, I, was, I did it happily because I got the good, the good service. And in there, it says, you know, put the little, uh, have any special comments? I said, Sid was really great, great customer service. You know, and that's, that could help him get promoted, you know, right. like maybe he'll next time I come in there, he'll be running the store. Who right. knows? But that's the kind of thing that how do you instill that in your customers? Did they go above and beyond what was expected? Yeah, they sure did. They went way above and beyond by doing what? By just getting me out of there. Because they're smart enough to understand that nobody wants to go there. Right. Let's go hang out at the tire store. Right. It's not, it's not like a mall where you want to go and maybe shop around and look at things. They just, they understand. You're basically waiting. That's what you're doing. You're just waiting. So what, what about your business or service or product or thing that you do? Are you in one of those services where people don't want to do it, where they don't want to interact with it, where they don't want to spend money? Most services are even like that. Most are like that. There are very few things that people spend money on that they really want. They're like I have to have a guy come out to my house and redo. We have this like problem in the shower where it's like the thing wall is kind of buckling out, and it's it's you know it's a fifteen year old house or whatever. And I guess over time the moisture has affected the tiling in the bathroom. We got to get it ripped out. I don't want to do any of that. Right, that's not like a fun project. I don't for want you. to do any of that. I don't want to talk to the people. I don't want to have them come out. I'm not interested. It's not a big deal, but it's not like that's like not a fun thing to do. So to find somebody who can come in and look at it and say, "Okay, got it. Here's the estimate. We can get in and out in a day." Like that's what I want to hear. That's what we want. And is your business or whatever service that you're doing, even within the context of your job, have you ever considered that even though you might like doing that thing, that the people who need you to do it for them aren't interested in it, that they don't like it? That, so how can you make them like it? How can you make their experience better? In the case of tires, get them in and out of there fast. But what are you doing for somebody that you can make it easier? So for example, back in the old days, I used to do IT and support and that kind of stuff. I've talked about it a lot. My job was to fix things that went wrong with the servers, fix things that went wrong with people's PCs. And so often, the thing that would be going wrong was, you know, something really dumb, like they, somehow the mouse got, the cable got kicked out and they, uh, it was unplugged and that's why their mouse wasn't working. 
you know, they, they just did something goofy and the machine just needed to be rebooted. It was almost never the hard drive failed or there's bad RAM. You know, almost never was something serious. It was something that was incredibly basic, but that because for them, the computer was simply a tool. They weren't interested in it. They right. didn't want to know how the computer worked. They didn't want to know what the problem was. They were just, I was typing this thing into this box and, it, and the and computer stopped. stopped working. They're an HR person or they're a writer or marketing person, whoever. They're not interested in, is my hard drive failing? Do I have bad RAM or was the mouse unplugged? They don't care. They just, I was using just it, make, make it, it work. work. Yeah. And that's the way most of us feel about things like our cars or the refrigerator in our house. I don't know how the refrigerator, I mean, I do, but I don't know how the refrigerator works. I don't want to know how the refrigerator works. I just want the stuff in there to be cold. Or the washer dryer. Right. Just wash them well and then dry them really, really well too. Right. That's it. Make it maybe not be so loud. Yeah. That's all. That's it. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I don't know where the water comes in. Don't care. If you Make can the achieve clothes that clean. with a five-year-old uh, washer dryer or a brand new one, whichever, right. just put it in there <laughs> but that's so so you know when you have to interact with somebody chances are because you're the expert in this thing that you're doing they don't want to be the expert and they're not even interested in the details i used to have a manager boss he was uh he was like the vp of the company it was a small company and there wasn't much of a line between the president and the vice president they were basically just partners and they just kind of worked on different things and i would go into his office the vp's office and sit down and I would talk to him and he would, he didn't just say this to me, although I was probably especially bad about it. He would say, Dan, I don't want to hear any of the details. Don't give me any details. Just tell me, tell me the main thing. Skip the details. And it was, this was very difficult for me. Yeah. Because the details were interesting. Like how, how could Tom, well, and they how could important. you not want to know about the details? Like that? Yeah, they're very important the most important and i just didn't understand how he could not want to know it just was mind-boggling to me but he didn't and the reason why he didn't want to know was because he was smart he hired me to worry about the details he just wanted to know when's the website going to be done i don't need to know what language it's written written in for the hit page you know counter or what problems you're having or right. running into. Just when's it going to be done? Okay, it's going to be done October 1st. Good. Oh, it's not? I thought you said it was. Oh, why isn't it? Okay. That's good enough. And I used to have another boss who he was a CEO of a San Francisco startup when I was CTO of it. And he was very smart. And there was something he would say. I would start to explain something. He'd be like, okay, I get it. And I used to say to myself, you know what? He doesn't really get it. He just doesn't want to hear it. But he would say, okay, I get it. I get it. But the reality was he actually did get it, but he got enough of it that he needed that, to know. that what he needed to know he had gotten out of it and he was ready to move on to the next piece. And, the, you know, this is something that I'll talk about after I do this next uh, this spot. But this is a principle that I have applied to my own life as much as possible that. If you use it in your own life, I think you will benefit greatly from it. I'll explain it right after I tell you about Linode 
Do you want to tell us about Linode or should I do it, honey? I'll do I, it. I will, I'll chime in. All right. Linode is a hosting company. That's the main thing that you need to know. They offer high-performance Linux servers for any pretty much anything you want to do with your infrastructure. What we use, both at 5x5 and at Fireside, is uh, that's where all of our application servers live. That's where our database stuff is. Yeah, we use Linode. The whole infrastructure for Linode is there for both companies. And they provide really, really great service at a very, very, very affordable price. Their servers are very, very fast. So fast. The fastest, I would say. If you're asking me, I would say yes, they're the fastest. But what they have is a complete integrated package. They've got node balancers, got automated backups. They've got managed services if you want that. They've got guides with step-by-step instructions if you don't. They've got this great control panel that lets you do everything. Why would you want to go with someone like Linode? Why would you want to host something like, like Linode? Well, if you're an application developer, you're a web developer, you're building your own applications, websites, whatever, they're the place to go. They've got just the best infrastructure that I've ever seen. They've got data centers all around the world. So that you can put data you can put the servers close to your customers, close to you, whatever's important. Even if all you're doing is just running a server because you want to test stuff, you want to learn how to write code, you want to learn how to build web services or do web design. Starts at only five dollars a month. Yeah, that's insane. They have their one gig server for five dollars a month. And there's no contract, you don't have to sign up for a year or two years or anything like that. Or if you're on the other end of the spectrum, you can get these high, what they call the high memory plans. We can get a 16 gig server for 60 bucks a month and an upgrade in storage from 24 to 30 gigs. All the way on, starting with their two gig for $10 a month plan. I mean, they've got it all. And they're giving a special promo to our listeners. Go to promo.linode.com slash quit. That will support the show. Just going to that URL, pull your cars over to the side of the road, type this into your phone safely, promo.linode.com slash quit. When you go there, you'll get $20 credit on a new account. That could be four months of service on your $5 per month Linode, and you could do a lot with that thing. I learned shell scripting. I learned Unix. I learned Linux all on a remote server when I was first getting started, and you can too. So go check it out promo.lino.com slash quit. I am receiving texts in Spanish. Oh, that must be from a um, guy, right? Yeah. Well, get out Google Translate. Yeah, I don't know what this uh, what these words mean. Uh, but I, you know, I told you about do the tile seem, guy. No, they're Spanish. They're I mean, not, do they seem like positive? Like, yeah, I think so. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have you to. You could just send in. the thumbs up. Well, I mean, I don't know if he means for me or not. <laughs> but anyway, he, he's he's obviously replying because he wants to come out and uh, and work on my uh, work on my tile. Anyway, thank you very much to Linode. Linode. No, I, I don't. I typed in what what he typed. What is it? And it doesn't make any sense translating it to English. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. 
Is so. it him? Is it the right number? I don't know. <laughs> so back to what I was saying before, this is the practice that I want to talk about. And that is my goal is to eliminate as much distraction as possible when it comes to things like details. I only want to know what I need to know to do whatever the thing is that I'm trying to do unless I have a genuine interest in it. But I found that a lot of the things that I, I used to just be interested in just everything. I just want to learn everything about everything. And there's nothing wrong with that. I still do that to some degree, but being able to focus in and improve your concentration. A lot of people ask me, they'll pull me, pull me, you know, to the side as I'm walking down the street and they'll say, Dan, how is it that you have such a laser focus? How is it that you're, how do you do it? You're so uncompromised when it comes to concentration. And I tell them this, I say, you know, eliminating distraction, distraction is one of the biggest obstacles you'll ever face whether that's distraction from your your main goal in the day, whether that's getting a project done, getting a project out the door. Or distraction from individual tasks. Right. <laughs> I mean, there is distraction is the worst thing, and people don't un- even understand that they're distracted. They can be distracted by Twitter. They can be distracted by their phone. They can be distracted by their Apple Watch tapping on their wrist, telling them to go do something. But... Distractions, people say, oh, distractions are good. They're really not. They're really not. If you think back to the way human beings were for thousands and thousands of years before the modern life that we have, even going back just a couple generations to your parents, grandparents' time, there were very, very few distractions. That's why everybody was A, bored, and B, (laughs) because they were bored, had great ideas and inventions and were very productive in what they were doing. <laughs> right. I mean, when you think about it, if, if imagine that if when the sun went down, it got dark and maybe you had enough light to read by or to write by in your house, but that was really the only thing that might be going on in your house after sundown. Is that you would you might be sitting outside, you might be sitting by a fire, you might be sitting in a chair reading a book, you might be writing, you might be painting something. But all of these kinds of activities are very, very cerebral activities. You might just be thinking. But those things are kind of gone right now. How long, as an experiment for the listener, how long can you go sitting in in a relatively quiet room without having anything turned on before you pull out your phone and look at it. Yeah, I hate that feeling. When you look down, you're like, I couldn't even go a second. Right. (laughs) A lot of people, if they're at a stoplight, you've got to pull their phone out and look at it. Right. And the other question is, what are you looking at? Like, what are you doing, really? Yeah, it's probably not that important. It might feel important. It might be entertaining. You're to you. just refreshing a feed of something. That's it. Yeah, there's. A, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's sad. We are so used to constant stimulation in the form of meaningless distraction. I used to have Tweetbot running on my computer, and I found that I was spending a decent amount of time looking at Tweetbot. Reading Twitter. 
And nothing good, I can tell you, nothing really that good ever came out of it. Right. Were you ever one day thinking like, oh, thank God I was thank looking at Twitter. God, I was on Twitter. Ooh, save me blank. I have definitely <laughs> made some important discoveries by using Twitter. I've definitely made connections with other human beings that I value. How do you applied for this job five years exactly. ago over Twitter? Thank God so, you were on Twitter. Right. <laughs> but I would have seen your tweet if I had just spent, if I had said, you know what? And you were talking to me about this the other day. But I look at my phone too much. Right. And what I was saying was, there's nothing wrong with looking at your phone. There's nothing wrong with reading Twitter or enjoying Instagram or whatever it is that you're, you're doing. But looking at it as that habitual instinct to, oh, I'm in a stop sign, better look at the phone. Or I'm just standing here, better look at the phone. Oh, you know what? I'm, th- I, I, I just got to look at it. Right. Why? What, like, you know, I'm frustrated when I, you know, I'm, do- I'm in the middle of doing something important and then I look down, you know, if I'm making dinner or something like that. And then I look down and I'm standing over somewhere in my apartment just looking at my phone. I'm like, no, I was in the middle of something, <laughs> you know. Don't be distracted. There's no reason to be looking at your phone. You're just refreshing feeds. Stop it. Right. <laughs> I mean, there is, and you know what, we don't, there are a lot of reasons why people do this kind of thing. You know, why they find that they can't sit still or can't be quiet or can't rest without looking at their phone. And that's fine. But what I'm saying is be aware of it. Be aware that you're doing it. And also be aware that the other things that are happening in the world around you, the things that are going on right in front of you in the street, in the room are probably pretty interesting if you give them a chance. You know, when I'm spending time with my kids, I will very rarely look at my phone because I'm very, very aware that one day, pretty soon, my kids won't want to talk to me as much as they do now. Or they'll be off at college or something. Right. Or they'll be busy with their own lives doing the things that we're raising them to do. Doing the things that we're trying to teach them to do. And every minute that I get to spend with my kids one-on-one, that's super valuable. My son is already pretty interested in video games on his computer. And if he has the opportunity to go and play, he's going to go play. He will pick... Playing video games in the afternoon after school over, you know, just sitting and talking. I'm not saying he'd pick it over sitting and talking all the time, but he wants to get in his time, his after school computer That's the time. Like, computer he's gonna time. he's gonna get that time. <laughs> um and so already there's something there. But why do we feel that way just about our kids? Why not with everybody that we interact with? Or just our lives. What's so important on the phone? And I'm I'm not talking like I'm some saint that never does this. Right, I do I'm it too. I'm talking to myself. Yeah. <laughs> I do it too. We all do it. But take a, take a minute to consider that what are you distracting yourself from? Having a distraction, taking a break, that's fine. But what happens when it becomes your your impulse to do it and there's no control around that impulse? You know, you probably don't, eat a slice of pie every time you think about pie 
Well, I better have another slice. Well, I've had three already. Ah, I better have a fourth. <laughs> right. Everything in moderation. I think that that's the best sentence that's ever, ever been uttered in the world. <laughs> I think it applies to everything. You know, I agree with you. And I think that's the kind of the answer to how how you could wind up using your phone a little bit less is just time box it. Say, you know what? Right. I'm going to spend 30 minutes a day on, I'm making this up. I'm going to spend 30 minutes a day on Instagram, but I'm not going to spend 30 minutes broken out. Or or three hours broken out over every five minutes I'm looking at Instagram. Right. Just sit down <laughs> and say, you know what? From six o'clock to 6.30, that's my Instagram time. And guess what? You'll look forward to it. Right. You look forward to it. And then when six o'clock comes around, fire up Instagram, do the stuff that you want to do on there, have fun with it. And what this, what I was reminded of is I want to talk about Annie and her, uh, Annie's email. Yes, that's a great, that's exactly, okay, that's what we were talking about. And I knew that there was something, I was like, that would be a great quit topic. And you remembered. <laughs> I did remember it. But before I do it, guess what? I want to tell you about Squarespace. <gasps> Squarespace. Hattie, make your next move with Squarespace. Okay. Do it. I'll be right back. All right. What did you do? Are you back? <laughs> yep. What I made my next move with Squarespace. Okay. What does this mean? This means you can make a beautiful website. You can register a domain. You can sell stuff now. They've had that for a couple of years now, I think, the e-commerce stuff. But oh, yeah. I don't hear people talking about it as much as they should. But I just imagine that. it's so seamless. Like, it's just... Like, they can't even mention it because it's just part of it now. Imagine if you built a website and then realized, you know what? I want to sell stuff too. Oh, that's built in. Oh, we need a logo. Oh, that's built in. We're going to register a new domain name. That's built in. We got images we want to post built in. We want to, you know what? We want to put our, our album that we did built in. It gets almost silly how much is built in. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what I was just thinking about, Dan? What's that? Was what you were talking about with the the tire place they know that that's not where you want to spend your time so they make it fast and easy well squarespace knows that too they know that you want to be busy doing what you're doing instead of making a website and i think that's that's what their goal is well i fully endorse squarespace it's the place to go to make a website creatives businesses, musicians, designers, artists, restaurants. Focus on the thing that you're good at, Hattie. Yep, and they'll get you in and out fast. See? I'm going to save you that time. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code QUIT to get 10% off your first purchase. And it shows support for the show. Squarespace.com slash quit. Uh, not slash quit. Squarespace.com offer code QUIT. You could go to slash quit. You can go to slash quit. Why not? I say go there. I think it still works. Go there. Try it out. <laughs> Seriously, try it out. But you have to use the code quit. Yes, you have to do that. That's what gets you the, the 10% off your first purchase. So thank you very much to our friends over at Squarespace, longtime sponsors. They were sponsoring us way before they were sponsoring anybody else. And I think that means they like us best and we like them best. So thank you, Squarespace. Thanks, Squarespace. So the first thing that the, the guy typed in translates as already raw... <laughs> a cave. <laughs> um, now, if I um, if if I if I take if I think that maybe there was a typo in it, Google has a, a translation suggestion. Okay. That just translates to already raw. 
already raw. <laughs> I okay. don't know. And then, uh, then, then the <laughs> next line, the next line translates to, I did not mean to say that I cried. <laughs> so okay. already, already raw. Maybe he was sending. I did not mean to say that I cried or I did not mean to say that I cried. I, I think don't know. That's, I think that's more what he's trying to say is like he typed something to you talking about like already raw, like maybe the, the bathroom was already raw and ready to be take tile or something. I don't know. Maybe he was talking about something else. Then he sent that to you and then was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I did not mean to say that. I cried. And it says, wait, did you mean? Maybe. Now, then it says, sorry, I meant crisis. If I take the suggestion. Okay. Already crisis? I'm sure that, that yes. All, sorry, I meant crisis. Right. So he's correcting what he sent. Already raw. Sorry, I meant crisis. <laughs> Can that be our title? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is what Annie does. And I love this because I, this is how I want to re, I want to reframe I want to reframe. I'm going to blow everybody's mind right now. Everybody listening, I'm going to blow your mind. This is the she is the envy of everybody. This is this is what Annie does. Annie is a real person. Yep. Annie does not check her email on a daily basis. <sighs> not only that, she doesn't do what we do, which is just have email running throughout the day. Or like me, where you just leave email running forever right. until you have, your computer crashes. <laughs> you have email running all the time. Yep. All the time. Always. Always. Um, what, uh, w- what I recommend is that people, t- they time box it and they say, you know what? I'm going to spend two hours a day on email. It's important to my job. I'm going to do two. Maybe it's five hours, whatever that number is. I wish I could do that. But then and, people email me and say, urgent, urgent, double right, urgent. And right, like, well, but that's take, <laughs> But we go back to this topic of it actually takes you away from getting anything done because you, you stop what you're doing and go and reply to an email. You stop what you're yes, doing. Yes, that's and it, true. And so, so instead of saying, okay, here are the things that I need to get done. If, if you were trying to get these tasks done and there was a little troll that would run up to your desk and slam its hand on your keyboard and run out of the room, you would get pretty annoyed at the troll after the second time that it did that. First time, maybe it's a little bit cute. I secretly want this to happen. And then the second time, you're like, all right, stop. And third time, you're like, I said, stop. Is that what it's like having a child? Kind of. (laughs) But after the troll did that for a few times, you would get pretty upset and you'd be like, listen, don't come in here anymore. And it still comes in and still slam its hand on your keyboard. That's what run, letting your email application run all day is doing to you. <laughs> yeah. Because instead of working on that proposal or finishing up that design or writing that article or whatever it is that you're doing, every time that thing goes, boo, you look over and you look at your email and you're like, well, okay, I'm just going to respond to this one person really quick. Oh, you know what? That person asked me for something. Well, I or, better respond to them. Oh, and then you know what? While I was responding to them, a third email came in and they and said this. And I have this, to fill and out to, this thing. And I'm filling out this thing. And you never even get to finish. And not only don't you finish the last thing you did, you never ever finish that first thing that you started. And it just builds like Welcome that. Welcome to and, my life. Well, and that's why I tell you <laughs> to stop running your email. 
run it several times a day. So what happens is you get in in the morning. I don't even know that you need to start your day by running an email. Don't let the email dictate what you do. You have things that it you need to get done. Me. <laughs> so go and do the things that you need to do. Email is part of that. Launch the email application several times a day. Time box it. If, if answering email is like your main job, then that's different. But if your job is writing code or doing designs or doing proposals or whatever, then say, okay, this is what I need to do today. I'm going to go and do that. And I'll check email when I'm done with this first task or I'll check email. I'll stop what I'm doing at 11 and from 11 to 1130, I'll do email and maybe it will take me the full time and maybe I won't even get through all my emails in that time. That's all right. That's how much time I have to do that thing. That shouldn't be any different from any other task that you do. It shouldn't be any different from something like going to lunch or going to get tires. If you have an hour that you, you've decided it's okay to spend an hour at lunch, then you probably shouldn't spend two or three hours at lunch. You should probably spend the hour that you decided to, to allow for that. And you're saying, well, it's not really possible to just spend 30 minutes on email. Well, then spend more. Figure out what that is. Yeah. But do it at one time. I think checking email two, maybe three times a day, two times is really the magic number. And that might be, you might get into work at 8.30, 8 o'clock, 9, whenever you get in. You might be able to spend an hour, two hours, three hours doing something really productive if that's your super productive time. For me, that first couple hours in the morning, I get a lot done, whether it's writing code or doing tech support or whatever it is that I'm doing, right? Just plain writing. Yeah. I will get a lot more done in the first hour or two if I get in. I won't even check email until after I've done that first hour or two of being in the zone. And it might be 10, 10 30, 11 o'clock before I check email. Anything urgent, anything truly urgent is not going to come in for me in my current job over email. I might get a text, I might get a phone call, but nothing that's that urgent is going to happen there. But part of what I'm doing also in the morning is I'm looking at, at uh, support tickets for Fireside. That's very important. I do that right away. I do that first thing in the morning. And if... You know, then that's important enough that that might mean I don't get to write any code uh, until later because I'm doing this this important thing. I'm handling customers. I'm helping customers. That's a part of what I do. But that's in a web application. We use Zendesk for that. So I'll be in Zendesk responding and fixing things and doing what I need to do. Then, depending on time, I might write some code. I might, that, But at some point, I'm going to say, okay, it's 11 now. From 11 to 11.30, I'm just doing email. I won't go switch back and forth between email and code. Email, is it's not a multitasking thing. I try not to multitask at all. If somebody wants to do a call, that's fine. I'll do a call. I won't be looking at the computer while I do it. You know, one thing at a time. That's the way our brains work best. And give yourself that time in the day to do it. So what does Annie do? Annie only takes that to an extreme. She only seems to check her email once. Have you heard back from Annie? No. I don't think you will until Monday, Yeah, this coming so Monday. Because that's when she responded to you, right? Right. <laughs> she responded to me Monday at 7.55 p.m. See, I think it's like, you know what? Monday in the evenings is when I check my email. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, she does email so Monday evenings. Now, she is a tattoo artist. And her job does not really revolve around checking email, being on email. No. Now, I know lots of people who do email who have you know, who, who check email all day and they don't even have an office job. 
But what she does to her, email is a tool. Email is a tool. Email has a job. What is email's job for Annie? For it is schedule tattoo appointments. That's what she's using her email for, really. Right. It's one thing. It's not like, oh, here's a proposal, and then here, fill that we need a W-9, and then, oh, fill this out, and then, oh, wait, I have a question about a sponsor. It's not all these different things. Right. It's, it's one thing. Right. That must be so nice. It's, I'm going to be doing tattoos this week. People have emailed me requesting appointments. I'm going to respond to those people over email and set up my, my appointment book. She, and that's like, what that's Annie does. That's the perfect inbox zero client. It really you know? is. And like she, she's she, made for that. Right. And she goes through the email. And when she's worked done. through all the emails, she's like, she, okay, I'm she, done. I've got my appointments booked out for right. the next month. I'm done. She that does not have so to. Good. Right. And, and, but, <laughs> in a, you know, it, for her, the, the computer is a tool. The, her phone is a tool. But we don't think of them like that anymore. We don't They're think. They're extensions of our bodies now. Even for my son, like his computer is where he goes to play games eventually it will be where he goes to write a book report or something too. But that is a thing. It is a thing, a specific thing. I don't want to be in my car right now. I have other things to do. But when I want to go home, I I want to be in my car kind of to go home. It is a thing that does a job, but we don't think of our phones that way anymore. We don't think of our email applications as a, as a thing to do a job. It is just why this is an application that's running on this computer and I'm in front of the computer and what are the things I can do in front of the computer? And Maybe I'll read, maybe I'll browse, maybe I'll do email, maybe I'll be on Slack, maybe I'll you know, work on a website, maybe I'll uh, ship something to somebody. You know, It becomes a point that like our entire work surface, our entire work environment is that computer screen. And this is the plight of the tech worker, of the office worker. You know, what happens when you're, you know, when, when you're not by your computer, well, we've got our iPhones now, so we never have to like endure being away from that. And then when we are away from that, we're in front of our big screens at home watching stuff. And when, uh, when we're done, maybe we have our second screen out or a third screen. You know how many guys I know are watching sports on the big screen and then they're watching a different sport. <laughs> I don't know how that's even on possible. Their <laughs> iPad and they're texting people about those two games that they're watching or whatever on their phone. Oh, how screwed up is that? We're supposed to be walking around in a forest somewhere. But the point is like allow yourself to just do one thing. When you're using these applications, running your email, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, to to quote uh Horace Dead, you you know, what is the job to be done? What have we hired that device or that application or that thing to do? What is it doing for us? And is that important? Do we need to be doing that right now? Is that the right thing to be doing right now? Is there something else that we could be doing right now? What aren't we finishing? Because we decided to respond to that distraction. What are you really getting out of flicking through that Instagram feed? That little voice that's inside your head that's crying out that's saying, I'll just look, you know, maybe, maybe there'll be a cool picture of a thing here. You got to see it. What if you miss it? Or what if you miss that tweet? But it's not just entertainment. It's not fulfilling. Is it that fear of, is it that the fear of missing out? I think. I think that's part of it. 
I'm past that now. That was the biggest fear I had when I sort of took a step back from Twitter is like, I'm not going to be as plugged in anymore. I'm not going to be as connected. I'm not going to know what's going on as much. Uh, But you know what? It's been okay. It's been okay. Uh, I've been away from it and it it has felt all right. And you know, that might just be what you need to do. What, what if you need to try it? What if you need to say to yourself, I'm not, I'm only going, I'm not going to run email until 10 o'clock AM tomorrow. I'm going to, no matter when I get in, I'm going to get in at eight. I'm not going to run email till 10. Instead, I'm going to work on that project. I mean, unless you know that your boss emails you and schedules appointments with you, then we might have to go through and do that. But if you have the luxury of not having to respond that way, don't, don't let email run your day. Don't let email run your life. Don't let Twitter or Instagram run your day and your life. So I switched. I was mentioning before that I, I was running it TweetBot. I stopped running TweetBot and I would only go to Twitter. I would open a browser window. I would type in twitter.com and I would go to Twitter and I would look at what was there on that screen. And then you would go away from it. And then when I was done looking at that thing called Twitter, I would close the browser. I wouldn't leave it open. I wouldn't minimize it. I'd just close it. And that added a certain degree of tedium and difficulty because now it wasn't just a matter of, uh, of, of looking over at this little window that's always floating right there or responding to a beep or a message. It was like, no, I had to place a whole bunch of intent on this. I had to say, okay, I want to look at Twitter now. Is now the right time to look at it? Okay, sure. What do I do? Open the window, type it in, go to the thing, click mentions. You know, it was a number of steps to do it. And what that did is it made it just difficult enough that if I didn't really want to see Twitter, I didn't really want to know what was going on there, I wouldn't do it. And I found that the desire to go and do it was even less. This is the same thing we were talking about the other day, Hattie, uh, about uh Eating, whether whether you eat a whole bag of chips oh yeah <laughs> or whether you just eat five chips being able to just like divvy up the amounts right <laughs> i think just there, help. i think there are very few people where if you sit them down on the sofa in front of a tv show they like and hand them a whole bag of chips no matter the size no matter the size that, jumbo that they're bag. not going to eat more than they think they should maybe they eat the whole bag maybe they eat half the bag but it's very hard to stop eating the chips Especially chips. There's something about chips. But the point isn't you can't eat chips anymore. Don't buy them. No, you can still have them. You just got to go up and say, okay, so here's what I'll do. (laughs) I'll walk over to to the pantry. I'll take the chips out. I'll put the amount of chips that I think would be reasonable for me to eat into a little bowl. Then I'll close up the bag. I'll put it back in the pantry. I'll walk back over to the thing with the bowl. And then that's what I'm going to eat. And when I'm done with that, that's it. Because at that point, self-control, right? Because <laughs> self-control is very hard for most people. Yeah. And the idea of stopping yourself from just diving into this big bag of chips versus saying, I want more chips. Okay. What do I need to do? I need to maybe pause the show, stand up, walk into the kitchen, go to right. the pantry, you open it up, about take it. more out, but you know what? I just won't eat any more chips. And that's good. You don't need any more chips. You ate enough. You had what you should already have. It's, you know, you don't need to say no more chips, never any more chips, because in ten minutes you'll be just sitting there shoving them into your face. With the front That's and what back. they always say about like diets and things. They're like, don't 
cut out everything that that you eat that makes you happy because that's that's a good way to give up on your diet pretty fast. Exactly. <laughs> is like don't cut out cupcakes, you know, like right. have maybe one a week or one a month instead of one every day or right. a donut every day or whatever. Exactly. Like there there's there's a way to there's a way to to make it work. So let's let's uh thank our last sponsor, Hattie. This one's all you. No, it is not all, all me. It's you. all you. It's Alibaba. It's, it's awesome. It's Alibaba. They have an event that's coming up. It's called Gateway 17. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner. If you, if you sell things, if you, you want to sell things. Listen up. So this conference is hosted by Alibaba. It's Gateway 17 is what it's called. And so a lot of people are like, what is Alibaba? It. If, in case you don't know, it is the Chinese version of like combine Amazon and Google. That's Alibaba. And it's for the, like the entire Chinese market. There is a lot of people That's over crazy. there in, in <laughs> the Chinese market. Something like 500 million consumers. That's not people. That's 500 million people who actively buy stuff on Alibaba. Yeah, that's insanity. That's more than the entire <laughs> population of the United States. That's active consumers on Alibaba. They've created a huge marketplace. But you know what? They now need us, the, the, the United States businesses, to fill their demand. So what they do is they connect everything from inventory to marketing, uh, from translation and payment to shipping and returns. You supply the product. They do the rest. But guess what? Maybe you don't have a product. You're like, I want to sell something, but I don't know what I want to sell. Right. They have that too. So you can go and you can go on Alibaba and you can say, you know what, I think, and there was one story I read about, uh, there was a guy who found the benefits of blue blockers. Oh, yeah. And he he found that he was like a major video gamer, but he was getting all this eye strain and he said, well, man, I'm going to try these blue blockers. So he tried the blue blockers and they helped him, but it took him a long time to find blue blockers that would fit over his glasses and other, everything else. So he said, you know what, I bet other people would benefit from this. So he like started his own business. By going on Alibaba, finding the blue blockers that he liked, he worked with a company that like made a custom version with his logo on it, and then he sold them all on Alibaba too. Yeah. Like this, and they send you free samples, they have quality assurance, hundreds of millions of shoppers. They make the whole thing easy. So Gateway 17 explains how to do all of this. It's a, it's a really cool event, two-day event in Detroit, June 20th through 21st. Uh, they've got some great speakers there. You heard of Jack Ma. He's worth about 20 billion bucks. B with a B. B with billion with a B. Yeah. Uh, Dave Abney, the CEO of UPS. Charlie Rose is going to be hanging out there. These are some good people. It's pretty cool. And uh, Alibaba is how. And Gateway 17 is where you can get started doing this. So they have a, a special deal going on for listeners of this show. I think this is a really cool idea. If you've ever just want, like if you're sitting there, like I want a business, like I want to do stuff. I want to sell stuff. And you're like, I don't know how to do it. This is how you're going to do it. The retail price for gateway 17 is 500 bucks. If you want to go our listeners, Hattie listeners to this show, what do they get? 125 bucks, 75% wow. off 125 bucks. Now prices go up at the end of May, May 25th. So you gotta you've gotta sign up before that. So the URL to go to is Gateway G A T E W A Y one seven Gateway one seven dot com. Enter quit when you register, 
and you will pay a mere 125 bucks. Go check it out. I want to go to this thing. And it's going to, and the, the, um, you enter the thing on the payment page. On the payment page. Right. It's not like, you know how some things you like sign up and it's like right there at the beginning. It's this on is the, in the, yeah, it's on, on the, the end payment. payment. Okay. Yeah. So go check it out. Gateway17, gateway17.com. Enter quit on the payment page. Thanks very much to Gateway17, Alibaba. Thank you. Alibaba. Alibaba. That's a good name. Alibaba. They're huge over there, yeah. Alibaba. You know how many times I've found something like on Pinterest or something else and I'm like, oh my God, I need this. And then it's on Alibaba and I'm like, oh, they have everything. They literally have everything. So Alibaba is a character from the um, from the like folk story, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. Yes. And I, uh, this is part of the Arabian Nights tales. Those are fun. I know them. And if you've ever heard the... Isn't Aladdin one of them? I, I think it's all mixed into this because this is where uh, Open Sesame comes right. from. Right. This is all all from that. Yeah. So you've he's like a merchant or something and he had the gold and he says Open Sesame is, is how the cave opens up where the 40 thieves have hidden the treasure inside of it. Open Sesame. So that that's where Alibaba comes from. I, th- I when I first heard Alibaba, I'm it isn't isn't the spot anymore. I'm just talking about it now. I was always like, "What isn't that the story?" So I guess that's where it came from. That's cool. Anyway, Alibaba. I don't know. I I want to do that. I want to I want to have a thing where I only need where the computer is just a tool I use to do a thing. Instead of being something that I just live my life inside of. Me too. All right. So listen, if, if people have some feedback, some thoughts, questions for us, we'd love to send e- in more emails. Yeah, we'll do some. We'll do another email show. This is your opportunity feedback. to do it. Go to five by five TV slash contact. Click quit. Send us your email. Uh, enough. Enough with the emails about PhDs, though. Thank you for those. And they've a lot of them have been coming in. Uh, but I feel like we've what mo- should we we've request now? Moved on anything they want. Um, any okay? How about this? Anything that we haven't talked about that you're like, how in 107 episodes have you not talked about sure. this? I'm still sitting here waiting for you to talk about this, or I have a yeah, question. Give us a topic. That you ask a question. We like that. That's always helpful. Yeah. So thank you, uh, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back. With a new show for you next week. Send those emails. Uh, I'm on Twitter, kind of, at Dan Benjamin. <laughs> if you send me an at message, I will see it when I look at Twitter. And Hattie is there, at Hattie Bird, H-A-D-D-I-E Bird. We appreciate you all listening. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>